You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You have arrived at your destination. Excellent. Excellent. Let me say this first, because usually I forget until like 15 minutes in. Welcome, everybody, to the Common Creatives Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You have nothing else to do right now. You have nothing to do. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. When when this airs. Yeah. This will this will be airing after the time. At the time that we're recording, you have nothing else to do. Yeah. You're probably stocking up on, unless you're working for one of those evil, evil capitalist corporations that won't let you work from home. Uh, or you're not able to because you're a doctor and a hero. So, one thing that's fun though, I, I don't want to, I don't really want to talk about the thing that everybody's talking about at the time that we're recording. Toilet this paper, very much, yeah, toilet paper. But I do want to say that a fun fact I found out was it takes roughly 20 seconds to sing the full chorus of "I Got Friends in Low Places." So, oh. so if you are one of these chumps who is out here washing your hands singing the Happy Birthday song, yeah, then like, like a big. But I got friends in low places yeah. where the whiskey, whiskey drowns and the beer chases my blues away. <laughs> you started too low. I did. And I'll be okay. <laughs> I'll be okay. That's the uh, that's the metal What's, version. First of all, so yeah, don't sing the happy birthday song. Get in there and sing some Garth, man. Yeah, Garth. What are you thinking? Get in there and sing some Garth. That song is great, by the way. I didn't remember yeah. how great that song it's was. A, it's, it's a great until, song. Yeah, so yeah. It's, this is a time to be looking for silver lining. So it's a tough time. Lo- I saw you posted on Instagram and your Instagram stories about yeah. Seal. Yeah. And we had this conversation via Instagram's, Instagram story messages, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> we did. <laughs> that last year, yeah. probably, I don't know, uh-huh. Christmas time or before, yeah. I learned the correct lyrics to... Kissed from a rose. So as as older millennials who yep. were children when Batman Forever came out, which was the movie that that, that right. which is where we know that song, I think, right? Yeah, um, I, I had the uh, the soundtrack on cassette. Yes, and man, I such on my Walkman. Such a good soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, all the Batman Forever songs. Nonetheless, that's the only one I really remember on that one. There was Flaming Lips on there. There was some U two. Wow. It was yeah. good, man. Nonetheless, Seal the Seal song says, "I could." What is? It? I don't even know the words now. Uh, uh, but it's 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 kiss from the ro- yeah. it's kiss from a rose. I compare you to a kiss from yes. a rose on the gray gray. Not, it's not grave. grave. No, you think it's grave because it's Batman's parents' grave. But also, you put flowers on a grave. Yeah, yeah. A kiss from a rose on the grave. Yeah, but it's not that. It's gray. It's supposed to be uh, a splash it's, of red a, over gray. It's a metaphor, dog. It's yeah. a straight up metaphor. Don't get out there and get, let's, let's let's all you know. Now's the time not to challenge yourself. Sing yourself some. I got friends in low places. Yeah, it's good for you. It's healthy. Opens up the pores. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. Exfoliates. Um, exfoliates. What are we talking about today, Joe? That's Joe. That's the maestro over there. Hey, maestro over here. That's the maestro. Maestro over here. Yeah. We are talking about uh, a singer songwriter. That's right. One that I've kind of heard of for actually a long time. Uh huh. When I, the early days of my band playing, you may have been in the band at this point. I was going to say early days, like when it was my band or like post that? Probably right around, right around there. Sure. Um, 
like 2005. That's when I got into five, him. Yeah, that's when I right? got into him. Mm-hmm. Four or five. This band was kind of like, well, this band, we're talking, we're, we're going to talk about a band and we're going to yeah. talk about an artist. Yeah. And there's actually an interesting story there. Yeah. But uh, this band is called Pedro the Lion. Mm-hmm. Um, was doing very well. Yeah. Um, breaking into like a mainstream um, audience, but started in a uh, kind of a Christian art audience, right? Yeah. The Christian market, and then they moved over. Yeah. Um, and the uh, singer songwriter of that band's name is Dave Bazan. David yep. Bazan. David Bazan. So we're talking about David Bazan today. As you said, you started listening to him around. When would that have been? We were we were um, both a little bit late to that party. I think. I was late to the party. So for yeah. me, it was probably. 2005 2006 yeah yeah between 2005 and 2007 for me something about yeah. that something around there for me because i know whenever it was we were in a band together and then whenever i quit that band i started doing like solo stuff and i was very very influenced i was just a deep into the dave bazan catalog or pedro the lion catalog sure and i was gonna yeah. say you sent me some songs to to yeah listen to and i've listened to most of those songs sure. before Let's let's take one little rabbit hole, and sure. this is this is culturally relevant. Relevant. Re- relevant. <laughs> Rele- that, that's actually yeah. re- relevant to what yeah. I'm going to say. Okay. What I just said, that mistake. <laughs> okay. Um. So the the thing that was going around the internet a few weeks ago was, uh-huh. did you know that some people think with an internal monologue and some people don't? Oh, okay. Did you not? I didn't jump that. on that. Mm-mm. It was like one of those flash I internet. Think, I think Chris, my roommate, was talking about right. That. Yeah. And I was sitting sitting at lunch with uh, Chris, who's my business partner, yeah. another audio engineer. He, sure. he was actually the drummer of the band that we played in. Yep. And we were having this conversation, and I was like, I don't think in words most of the time. Mm. And mm. he's like, I'll straight up start saying something out loud because I'm in such deep thought. Hmm. And I can. Yeah. And sometimes I choose to like go over words that I'm thinking of, but generally I think in an abstract way. Whoa. And and that process is actually really fast. Yeah. So when I'm sitting at the computer doing doing a task, yeah, I just pop through stuff. Whereas yeah. he goes like, okay, his, his monologue saying, oh. okay, I'm going to open up Finder. Okay, now I need to find this folder. Now I need to drop this folder down. Sure. And that, whereas I'm like, it's just an a flash yes. of an image, and I do the thing. Yes. Right. Uh huh. You don't have to filter it through an internal monologue. I don't. First. Yes. Um, uh huh. And the thought of that is actually exhausting to me. Yeah. Whereas some other people are like, That's like, how they do like Chris, it. he's like, he's like, I can't comprehend what it would be like not to have an internal monologue. Yeah. yeah. Like Tiff has one. She uh-huh. does the same thing where she'll start saying something. She's like, oh, I was saying that in my head. And I'm yeah. like, I don't understand what it feels like to say that thing in your head, right? Yes. And I've been thinking a lot about that recently with, I think on one of these episodes I mentioned, like for me, like I am not, Two things. First thing, I'm not very articulate when uh-huh. I'm speaking. Uh-huh. I have a lot of thoughts, yeah. and I have a lot of I think complex thoughts going around. Okay, but I I'm not practiced inter- internally with articulating what those are. So that was going to be my question, and we'll we'll, we'll tie it to Bazan. But that was going to be one of my questions was because I think I understand what you mean. I don't feel like Chris duke who you just quoted i don't feel like him where i don't know what it would be like not to have an internal monologue right but at the same time i don't know what it would be like to have a thought that isn't verbalized that would be unverbalizable do you know what i mean i think all of my thoughts and i don't even that they i I don't know that they're not unverbalizable okay that was going to be my question it's just the experience is not verbalized you don't experience it because i think most of the time i think in 
language-like things, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I think all of my, I think most of my thoughts are can be put into language. I'm going to get way too deep in this. We need to we need to yeah, move. I out understand of this what area. you're saying, but yeah, I think I can translate most of my thoughts to language fairly easily. Right. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are present to me in my what I would call phenomenology yeah. in terms of. They are not present to me in language before I translate them. Sure. If that makes sense. You know, and that went on to like reading about other people's stories of some people who are not schizophrenic. Yes. Have multiple voices in their head that huh. is their thought process that have conversations. Uh-huh. And a lot of a lot of times it's yeah. you having a conversation with yourself. And yes. that's just how your mind thinks. Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like yeah. something di- diagnosable necessarily. No, right? it's just how your right. particular process is. And that's yeah. that's like super alien. Yeah. to me. Sure. Um, and I was thinking more about that. Yeah. Uh, and I've always been a, I'm not a lyric person. Yeah. I like lyrics. Uh-huh. I'm not very good at writing lyrics in the sense that like lyrics feel more like poetry, right? Yeah. Sure. And for me, like I love writing, yeah. but I love writing human situations, dialogue, yeah. creating s- something that's like, yeah. there's an artistry to it, but it's not necessarily poetic yes but yeah i think in that way just not with words i think mm-hmm. in melody and images okay which makes a lot of sense as to it why does. i've kind of fallen into like yeah filmmaking yeah. and com- composition com- composition yeah it does. so i say all that to say uh-huh you sent me a bunch of bazan songs yeah. and you're like read the lyrics to these uh-huh and I've listened to Bazan for a long time, yeah. and I've caught some of the lyrics, but yeah. reading the lyrics like uh-huh. is a different experience, right? It is, yeah. But there's something there's something about Dave Bazan. Uh-huh. It's the timbre of his voice. Yes. It's the the chord progressions. Uh-huh. It's it's specific melodies with that timbre and those chord progressions. Yeah. That completely, if he's singing uh-huh. in a language I don't understand, mm. I get the feelings. Yeah. The correct feelings are still conveyed. Yes. So there's something really special about that, I think. Yes, there is. He's amazing at communicating emotional things, feelings, vibes, emotional content, let's say. Yeah. He's amazing at communicating that sonically. But what's interesting, I was listening to a podcast just on the way over here with uh, there was an interview with him, and it was talking about him and saying, most people, most artists, if they're lucky, they get one form of really effective communication to their audience. Yeah. Luckily, Dave Bazan has two, right? Right. No, it's absolutely. not only that he can write these things that pack such an emotional punch sonically, but he can back it up with both lyrical content and also just him conversing. And right. We'll talk about that. Let me, let me like, get some background in here. Yeah. Before you could, we... Yeah. You could, you could take his melodies yes. and his progressions and put it on a string quartet and it would feel like the things he's saying yes yeah. absolutely right. uh, so let's get some background back just it to, up back just it to, up we'll, we'll get to all this juicy stuff so dave bazan is a singer songwriter he was born in 1976 so he's 44 at the time of this recording he was initially he was born in phoenix arizona and was raised there he lives in and pedro the lion is out of seattle washington now as you said he is the lead singer and primary force of behind the band Pedro the Lion. Sure. Yeah. He has a lot of there's a lot of trade out and who else is in Pedro yeah. the Lion, but it's always him. And he was also the lead singer of a band called Headphones. Uh, and he's also <coughs> the lead singer of a really, really good band called Low Tom, which is I him. Yeah, I'm, I don't know of any of these other bands. You would love Low Tom. It's him and a bunch of his producer friends who got together and wrote a rock record cool. in, in like, you know, two weeks. Wrote and recorded it just all at the same time. Yeah. Super cool. So Pedro the Lion was active from 1995 to 2006, and then they reconvened or reformed in 
2017 and they're still active did you watch you watch the documentary right yeah so there was a documentary for folks out there who are listening there was a documentary that was released i think last year i think 2019 yeah i think it played south by southwest yes yeah it it was called strange negotiations Mm -hmm. which is also the name of one of his albums yeah uh, and it follows. How would you summarize that? Because you watched um, the documentary. Sure, it, it kind of follows the rise and fall of his faith, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But also like his uh, career and how those things kind of intertwine. Yeah. You know, he could have taken a very different route. Yeah. And probably made a lot of money. You know, and was. Yeah. You know, but and we'll get into that. Yeah. Here in a minute, but um. Yeah. But, it, it talks a little bit about his background in that documentary as well right a little bit uh, yeah yeah that, you know he uh he uh, he grew up in church right yes this is gonna his, be his family his family was very pentecostal yeah pentecostal evangelical context yeah and i think this is something that it's it's we don't often talk about or we don't always talk about the childhood of all these creators that we talk about mm-hmm. i think you can't talk about dave bazan as an artist without talking about this element of his background absolutely right? you have to talk about protestant evangelical pentecostal christianity yeah right no you have to talk about that if you're going to understand dave bazan's work at all yeah because so much of his lyrical content so much Mm -hmm. of his interviews so much of his music so many of his records are just all about him processing his relationship to his early experiences in that culture and community yeah which is i think one reason at least for me why i'm so fascinated with him yeah because he is coming out of a background. I wasn't, he was raised in this incredibly strict background. I wasn't raised that way. But nonetheless, right. I had tons of early experiences with white evangelical Christianity. Sure. And so him processing that stuff is, and I think that's why a lot of people relate to him. Yeah, I think but, so too. But yeah, I don't think you can talk about it without talking about that. Yeah. About his background. So we're just gonna we're just gonna deep dive into some of this stuff, and it's it's yeah. it's stuff it's stuff that I don't much like to talk about, honestly. Sure. Like my my gut reaction when you said let's do Dave Bazan was, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yes, this is why he's so good. Yeah, yeah. And I've had such an odd relationship with this guy as a an artist for a long time. Yeah. And I think digging in to myself, I think the reason is like. I think the reason is he's um in my notes I wrote he's someone who who cares relentlessly. Yeah. He pays very close attention. Yeah. And he's brutally honest with himself. Yeah. Right? Yes. And his honesty yes. is the reason why he can't do what he's he, yeah. he can't he couldn't continue down the road he was doing. Yes. And I think for me growing up, you know, my relationship with, with faith and God and all that kind of stuff is yeah. a very I think similar one. It's always kind of like a a, a a muddy water kind of thing. Yeah. Um. Similar to Dave. Sim- similar to, to Dave. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like I I I was I was brought up in you know very kind of Pentecostal sure surrounding. Yeah. And then I went on to like I was in a Christian band for a long time, and that band kind of became a thing where it was like we kind of just want to be just a band. Yeah. Um, sure. Just, you know, we grew up with this kind of thing where you felt very comfortable being a Christian band in sure. a very small town and a punk yep. rock band. And then you realize, sure. like, that's not necessarily what we want to do, yeah. right? And for me, Dave Bazan represented me being honest with myself about how I felt about things. Yeah. And that made me very uncomfortable yeah. for a long time. Yeah. I feel very differently about him now. Sure. But some of those, I still have a, a gut reaction to him that's because so, of that. That's so fascinating. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Because like when I sit down and listen to him, I'm like, 
oh, this is great. Yeah. I, I love what he's saying. Yeah. I love this his sound. Yeah. But it still triggers something yeah. about me trying to be honest with myself growing yeah. up. I think that's a great read on Bazan. Yeah. I mean, his his honesty is something that is so it is uncomfortable, right? right. It's a, and it's especially uncomfortable. It was especially uncomfortable to his audience, including some of including us at the time, yeah. right? I mean, he because he shared uh, at the time anyway. He shared so much of that upbringing and so many of those values from like the sort of evangelical yeah. Christianity world. He shared so much of that that when he starts saying things that aren't down the line with yeah. the worldview that that's feeding to people, and he's saying it from a position of being in a Christian band, which yeah. is such a was such a sort of glorified position, at least given our childhoods, right? right? And he starts saying some stuff that like. Even now, as I listen back to it, it's like, God, he wasn't just going, is there a God or is there not a God, right? It wasn't yeah. that. It was deeper sort of psychological punches yeah. that he just wouldn't, he wouldn't pull the punch, right? right? He's not, he's not, his personality is not to gloss over this, this and this, but this, you yeah. know, it's like he really, I think, always kind of wrestles, if that's yes. the right word, with which each and everything that like, he's, I don't know if it's just like, it kind of almost feels like a curse a little bit. Yeah, I think to to always feel like you really need to. I don't know, like every little thing needs to be wrestled with to yes. feel okay with. Yeah, and I think that's if more people were like that, things would be different, right? Sure. But man, it's it's uncomfortable to yes. live that way. Yes, I think absolutely. I pulled some of these lyrics since we're going to be talking about him and his ideas are so important yep. and all this stuff. I pulled some lyrics, and. One of the first records that he made that had some stuff on it that the Christian community was uncomfortable with. His earlier stuff was very, it was always very honest. Like even when he was straight down the line Christian, yeah, sure. it was very much about like doubt and wrestling with things and all this. It was never just, let me sing a praise song about Jesus, you know? Yeah. It was never that. It was always, he is one of these people, and there I have other people in mind, but and I want to do episodes on them, but he's one of these people who in the Christian market of the 90s and early 2000s, really didn't fit because he was too good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's too sophisticated. The art he's making is too sophisticated for that little bubble, and it sort of is inevitable that he's yeah. not going to last there. But anyway, I say all that to say one of the first records that he came out with that had some stuff on it that was pushed against that sort of stream was called Achilles Heel. I don't think I put this song on the, the list that I sent you, but there's a song called Foregone Conclusions, Foregone yes. conclusion. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the one of the um verses to that song I pulled. This is just This is the verse that like when I was growing yeah. up made me go like, What? Right? What? Is that yes, the okay. of course, I'm sure it is. Yeah. It's uh you were it's speaking to apparently to some Christian person. You were too busy steering the conversation toward the Lord. Did you hear the voice of the spirit begging you to shut the fuck up? You thought it must be the devil trying to make you go astray. Besides, it could not have been the Lord because you don't believe he talks that way. Right. Right. And so just the fact that he would drop that word, right? Yeah, that's 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 a deliberate choice. Yes. He knows what he's doing yeah. in saying that. And not only that, not only dropping the word, but putting it in the mouth of God, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> in the world as he's painting it in this song, God says, "Shut the fuck up." Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's It's like you like listen, you're you're completely you've completely missed the point of everything. Yes. And you're doing harm because of it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so just even dropping that uh dropping that line. I mean, that that was essentially unheard of, right? 
You have yeah, no, non-Christian yeah. bands who would say that stuff, but their heart's not in the right place or whatever. No. But nobody who takes this stuff seriously is going to be saying things like that. Nobody who's not just yep. mocking it for just for the fun of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think that's what's so, and I mean this in the best possible way, I think that's what's so dangerous about David Bazan yeah. is the fact that no, he's not. He, you can't write him off easily, no. right? If you're from that world, you can't say, "Well, he's just you know mocking no. the Lord." No, he cares, as you said, relentlessly. Yeah, and he's being as honest as possible, yeah. and he is holding a mirror of this little subculture up to itself in some yeah. ways, and, and that's powerful. Yeah, I mean that's the uh, the most uh, commendable thing I think you can do as a person. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like for sure. So it's interesting that you still that you still have a little bit of that ugh, yeah, you know, feeling about him. I don't like that, but you, I, I yeah, yeah. It's I, and I think it's because I don't listen to him much. Yeah, and I think it's just like a remnant. Yeah, feeling of. And it's less about how he. It's not like I don't like it because of how he feels about Christianity. No, it's a feeling of. Oh, he's gonna make he's going to make me look at myself in a way that I don't want to look at myself. Yeah. Regardless of whether it's about faith or anything. True. You know, he he has songs about like how he's like you know uh, was an alcoholic and yeah. how like yeah. his wife could leave him yep. over it and yep. how he you know yep. and like talking about like his 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 daughter's baby blue eyes looking at him and yeah. like he's like you know begging As he's drunk he, he's and, well yeah. he's he's you know calling her, his wife from the road just begging her to let him take just one drink yeah that album is maybe my favorite that album's amazing uh, curse yeah, your the, branches curse your branches yeah and what's great about that album is that and I, I i just watched this documentary so i'm like sure been refreshed on some of this stuff and yeah. I've, I've already gone through spotify and hit the little heart on all of these albums because yeah. I'm they're going back into my rotation, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, because I think right now, especially with how things are charged politically, is yeah. like now is the best time to listen to somebody who makes you think about yeah all of these things, right? Absolutely. But what's what's crazy about his, that album was that his first um, first solo album? No, he put out a he put out a, an EP before Curse Your Branches called Fewer Moving Parts. Okay, I've heard uh, of that one. and that was his first sort of move away from Pedro the Lion. Right. So yeah, let's let's talk about Pedro the Lion. Yeah, let's because do it. I feel like you know when when I slash we were in bands or in a band. Yeah. We were playing different like festivals like Corners. Did you ever play Cornerstone? I didn't play after? Cornerstone. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like those types of festivals like. Mm-hmm. About the time that we started playing festivals like Corners, Cornerstone mm-hmm. was about the time that Pedro the Lion disbanded. Yeah. But before that, we used to play this festival called Ichthus. Yep. Um, played which, that one a couple times. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I remember a couple times Pedro the Lion playing late night sets. Yes. At like one, at the smaller tents. Yes. And they were just packed. Yes. And I think it became a thing. Well, first of all, like just from a, being in a creative like career, right? Yeah. It's a business. Yeah, of course. And uh, I, I believe, you know, some of his bandmates felt that he or he wasn't giving them enough ownership of yeah. the brand. Yeah. And that's one reason the thing kind of broke apart. Yep. Um, and the other reason is just uh, basically he said, you know, something about the premise of this band yeah. is flawed and wrong to yeah. him. To it's it's the it's the same thing of him just like trying to be as honest with himself as he can be and the premise of this band and where it started just didn't feel right anymore yeah, yeah. and this band was breaking you know was was starting to get radio play and, yep. and like some mainstream radio and that yeah. kind of thing yeah but and and you know he basically 
said he he uh, he killed it along with his livelihood. So like yeah. the the promise of making a good living, you know, touring a few days out of the year, yeah. spending time with his family, he yeah. threw it away yeah. because he couldn't be disingenuous. Because he had to be honest about it. Right. Yeah. And I remember that band being I remember when they were putting out records like this. They were putting out records like Achilles Heel where they were saying things like that. Yeah. And to some extent you had them coming into this sort of very sterilized Christian marketplace and saying things that were just not okay yep. for that world, right? Do you remember any anybody talking about Pedro the Lion in that particular way during their um, their run or around the time they were disbanding? No, but I think I think the types of people that we kind of true were in our circles they were, wouldn't have worried about that so yeah, much maybe um w- one of the people who kind of introduced me to pedro was ryan eichelberger yes and he passed away a few years ago yeah. of uh, uh basically a disease that he was born with yeah but good friend of ours that we very met good touring of, yeah, wonderful he, wonderful he, guy if any of you guys actually listened to the band that we were in we, yeah. we did a an album called millionaires yeah and it's funny because like we played a lot of the ideas in in the lyrics of those songs yeah. were kind of fueled by the pedro thing yeah and ryan co-wrote a lot of the songs uh at that time yeah um, we were in the studio together um and he wasn't even technically part of the band sure. but like you know we were just kind of kindred spirits in that way yeah yeah so those were the types of people we were kind of running around with yeah people who just who are already the same page you know yes. um, this this resonated with them right but even if it was shocking or something it yeah. was resonating exactly yeah and i think the people on the other side of that coin were people that we rubbed elbows with a lot yeah but we weren't very close to in a way Uh uh-huh yeah also are people who would have never given a band like pedro a chance so they don't know yeah they don't know. they're not going to listen to that you know what i mean yeah for sure yeah so he put out uh achilles heel and then i believe after achilles heel he put out a record called control which Mm -hmm. to this day might be his best work i don't know it's hard to say it might be pedro's best work i don't know if it's david bazan's best work nonetheless and it might not even be that but it's a great record so that album it was that still was that post their kind of run with like a christian market I, or yeah. was that during i think it was during it was like that was on because the lyrics of like you yeah. sent me some lyrics from that album I'm sorry. specifically control came out first and then achilles heel my bad okay that's yeah. surprising like because yes. there's like control was earlier yeah the, it's yeah. like those he, there are some like really like evocative yeah lyrics on that well, album that, yeah i have a couple pulled yeah if please. i can if i can read them so this is from a song called indian summer i only pulled this one line because i didn't want to read the whole thing just give you a little, little taste but this song is essentially it's about wealth it's about class it's about uh capitalism to some extent one of the lines from indian summer says all of the experts say you ought to start them young that way they'll naturally love the taste of corporate cum which is unbelievable that hits so hard right like, <laughs> that is one of the i mean that's not pulling a punch especially like, to sell to how, a christian but market. how how is a band like that playing like christian festivals i don't like, know how does that work i don't know it's just and, and in my opinion like yeah they're just not listening they're not worried like they're not it's worried like, about it yeah not not until you hear something like 
what what like yeah. like yeah there's and it's a not, buzz he doesn't you know? hit that line over and over or anything it's just a pre-chorus and then he moves on yeah you know what i mean and it's about the fakeness of society and christianity and things like this um he also has a song on that record or they they do uh called rapture uh, i think i put this one on the list yep. that i sent you this mm-hmm. one is is had you heard this song before rapture this is one uh, of the first ones i don't think i'd really heard many on that off that album yeah this is one of the first songs that i heard of him where i was like i'm not entire at the time i was more of a kid and i was like i'm not entirely sure what this means but it is heavy Right. You know what I mean? And essentially what the song is, is it compares having an affair, having sex with someone in a hotel room somewhere, to experiencing the love of Jesus. And it right. sort of puts those two things in a comparison together. Right. And so here's just the first, just the first verse in the chorus. says, uh, this is how we multiply, pity that it's not my wife, the friction and skin, the trembling sigh. This is how our bodies move with everything that we could lose, pushing us deeper still, the sheets and the sweat, the seed and the spill, the bitter pill yet undiscovered. Gideon is in the drawer, clothes scattered on the floor. She's arching her back. She screams for more. And then the chorus is, oh, my sweet rapture, I hear Jesus calling me home. Right. Right? (laughs) So it's just... Whoo! That that is a powerful contrast, right? right? Especially it's, from a Christian band. Like these are really like uh, sophisticated, complicated, yes, ideas. Yes, and this and, is why. And I from say, a Christian market, list, yeah. just listen to the chorus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, sweet yeah. rapture! Yeah. I hear like that's all. That's all that you're gonna. That's all you. And the, you're worried about. And the last, right? the last chorus of that song says the same thing. Oh, my sweet rapture! I hear Jesus calling me to enter the promised land, which has like multiple levels of meaning in this sure. in this context, you know. And so, um, just the fact that he could sing about those ideas, right? He he is an incredibly humanistic artist. Yep. He is singing about the human experience over and above singing about, you know, a particular God or whatever. And he's raised believing in, or taught to believe in this God and things like that. But And so he writes about that, but he's very much, to my mind anyway, writing about human, complicated, difficult experiences. Right. The human experience is like, if you're going to be honest, like that's the only thing you can... Mm-hmm. really draw from for that. You know, uh, sure. And he doesn't simplify it, right? No. He doesn't. That's one of the things that was so striking about him the first time I heard him. And one of the things that's so fascinating about him coming out of the Christian market is he's not someone who hands you... He doesn't hand you an easy answer in any direction. He doesn't hand you the easy direction of just being mad about evangelicalism. Right. And he doesn't hand you the easy answer of, well, just fall in line and sing about how God is great and everything's okay. Right. right? He gives you this complicated view. Yeah. So that documentary is really great because I've seen Pedro play once mm-hmm. um, before I even knew who Pedro was. Yeah. And then I've seen him play his solo act twice. Okay. Once at a house party. Cool. And once at a venue. And the first thing you notice is before he even plays a song, he'll say, uh, does anyone have any questions before we get going? I wanted to bring this up. Yeah, you know, and after yep. every song, any any questions? Anybody got questions? You can ask them later. It's fine. Yeah. And I, this documentary like keeps jumping to different house shows and yep. different venues, and you know, basically like kind of lets those questions tell part of the narrative. It's, yeah. It's which is really kind of cool. Smart framing device. Yeah. So, I don't remember what the question was specifically. Yeah. 
but you know it had something to do with the the thing that we're talking about the first thing we mentioned is like dave bazan can feel like just a bummer right sure i think on a on a surface level and i think originally like my first feelings of him were like if i'm completely honest with myself yeah i'm bummed out yeah right yeah yeah you know the question had something to do with that and his response was you know he feels like his music should give some sense of not everything is okay yeah that songs that just say everything's fine yeah are incorrect, oh, right? Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> and and he says it's not okay to give the impression that everything's fine and that the flag should always be flying half mass. I'm like, oh, that's. And then no wonder I love this guy's yeah. art so much. He, it, that's he's wonderful. So yeah. good. That is so true and so good. And he's coming out of a context which, and he's coming out of a context that's more, his upbringing is, as I said, more intense than mine was, right? He wasn't allowed to watch rated R movies and stuff like this. Um, It was just this very sterilized, Christianized bubble. So he's coming out of this, he is in some sense reacting to this context where what you have to do is pretend like everything is okay. That is what is demanded of you. Sure. Right, you have to pretend like everything is okay, and to the extent that something is not okay, it's the other people who are not okay. Yes, you have to be completely you know, okay. Yeah, we we used to play a lot of like church venues, yeah. and that kind of stuff all the yeah. time. Sure, and you know you'd play, and then someone would like speak, yeah, or 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 someone sure. would speak, and then you'd play, yeah. And you know, as someone was speaking at the time, you know, when we first started, my goal was to sit and listen and really try to figure the thing out. Yeah. Right? You were engaging. And really engaging. And I remember each time after this after after I left with what what is what was he what was he trying to say? Like yeah. I I'm looking yeah. like I'm trying to grab onto something that's like tactile sure. and something that I to where I can actually take this thing and follow a road yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And never would I it, you know, you'd always get lost okay. because it was this idea that like, it's more about, okay, you have the belief, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And the belief is all you need. Yeah. And then everything's okay. Yeah. Stay away from that. Sure. And I'm like, wait a minute, w- what's that? Yeah, sure. You know what I sure. mean? What's the other thing I'm supposed to stay away from? And then you whatever. have somebody like Dave Bazan and yeah. you're like, yeah, he's basically the opposite of that. Yeah. He's acknowledging the thing that you're not supposed to acknowledge. Yeah. And in doing so, he's being more honest. And in part of the documentary, he basically said, you know, they were at something like that where there was a, a sermon or a speaker or something. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he was doing what I was doing and he was really engaging what was being said. Yeah. And he was basically making a checklist in his head of yes. the things that were just, you know, sheer contradictions to like yeah. his to gut, just, gut honesty with himself. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of the moment for him where he was like, okay, everything's different for me now. Yeah. Um, yeah. They were getting ready to go to lunch with his family. His sure. family went to lunch and he sat in the cro- in the car and bawled his eyes out for 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, because yeah. like, that's just, <laughs> that's just like, what else can you do but be completely honest with yourself? Of course. And yeah. if you still hold beliefs as a, bel- a believer of God, right? Sure. All you can do is say... I'm just being as honest as I can. Right. I'm not being bad. 
Yeah, right, right, right. Like, well, and to some extent, but on that view of that worldview, you are being bad. Yes, right. Exactly. It is the conclusions that you come to that make you bad. And if you have to get to the right conclusions in ways that are disingenuous or dishonest, get there those ways. Right. Because sure. you know this kind of thing. I I heard um, you saying that is so funny because I remember once I because I was in the band with you and we would play shows like that where yeah. someone would speak or whatever. And then whenever I left and started doing solo stuff i was writing stuff that was deeply in the vein of it was almost a parody of bazaar or not a parody but almost a parroting of bazan right because yeah because i was dealing with a lot of those same things in a less sophisticated way than he was sure and i remember playing shows at churches and stuff because i didn't know i preferred to play venues but like you're booking something by yourself it's harder to do churches have money sometimes like all this kind of stuff and I remember like, or I was attending church just as a person, right? Around right. around those times too. And I remember thinking like, why isn't, I had taken some courses, I'd taken like a philosophy class or two. And I remember Problematic. Thinking, I know. And I remember <laughs> thinking, these sermons should have, it should open up for discussion after this person is done talking. Sure. Like I have several things to say about whatever was just said to me. I can give you reasons. I don't agree with four yeah. or five of the things you just wanted me to just swallow and accept right but then we not talk about this because i see problems with what you just said and i like think how, i can articulate yeah them. and how is like, that not church right to, sure to for a group of people to yeah. just strive to yeah. do the best they can and be honest with each other right 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 like and so and so i think dave bazan it's interesting because i don't identify with him now as much as i used to weirdly enough I was going to ask. Yeah, because, I mean, I still love his stuff, and I can, but it's almost a nostalgic identification now. Sure. Where, for me, Bazan represents my sort of exiting from all that stuff, whereas... I like At this point, for, for a long time, for a number of years, I was in the position of, like, doing my best to try to redeem what I saw as being the good parts of the sort of Christian tradition and stuff like that. Yeah. And I kind of just hit a point where I think eh, it's just better to cut your losses. Like you right. can you can keep all the good stuff and you just don't have to call it Christian anymore. And then you don't have to try to explain all the bullshit. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You can just go, oh I don't have to explain that. You know, how do you explain this passage? Oh, I don't. I don't give a shit about that passage. Right. right. That kind of thing. And it's just, oh, no, is it telling me that I should do something bad or I should be not compassionate or something? Oh, guess what? I don't have to listen to that because clearly being compassionate is better, this kind of thing. And so I feel like David Bazan is still a little bit in that place of... So I think think he's in the place of he feels that reformation is still possible. Right. And he's like, I don't believe in god yes but i think there's merit in yes certain teachings that sure if reformed can actually be really healthy yes um and you know he was asked in the documentary like how do you feel about believers coming to your shows he's like he and like are you are you tired of talking about christianity he said yeah no i'm not at all tired yeah. about talking about it because i think that it can be much better and that if yeah. there are believers yes who are still coming to watch me play knowing that like i'm like yeah there's likely not a god yeah then like that's good yeah that's a good sign that like that you can engage with both things and that's why he is once again i'll say to to those sort of willfully ignorant communities and i don't mean i'm not calling them stupid i'm saying literally willfully ignorant of things a choice they don't want to know certain things it's too it's too difficult it's too difficult it's too hard for those communities he is so dangerous because his attitude is not antagonistic no He, he wants to see these things get better 
yeah. he says, look, you can be better than this, but you're going to have to let go of some of that old stuff. Yeah. Like, it's just not going to work. It's not going to mm-hmm. fly. Um, and I think that makes him really, really dangerous. More right. dangerous than me, who's at this point, I'm going to go, well, you all do what you want. <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah. think it's, I think it's garbage and I think we'll hopefully outvote you. But, uh, sure. you know, that kind of thing. So, I don't know. Uh, he's, he's a fascinating character in that way. Yeah. Do you want to take a quick break and then come back and talk some more about Dave Bazan? Let's take a break. Let's take a break. Listen to this, uh, this plug real quick. Would you listen to it? Hi, I'm Liam Hooper. And I'm Peterson Toscano. Together, we co-host the Bible Bash podcast. Each month, we look into a different ancient story. We're curious to find insights into our own queer lives. We discuss these and share our findings with you. You can find the Bible Bash podcast pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out at the end of each month. All right, welcome back. What a break. Um, Will peed. I peed, and I did wash my hands, and I did sing Friends in Low Places while I was doing it. It was great. So we're talking about Dave Bazan. We've been talking about sort of his religious and cultural and it, political it, it's the views. guts it's the guts of stuff you have to kind of get to yeah. get to really get to the the fun stuff <laughs> okay all right good i think yeah 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 well let's uh i mean you think this stuff this fun. is the fun stuff for me yeah. yeah let's let's talk a little bit about the fun stuff and then i've got a little bit more of the not fun stuff i want to talk about yeah, but let's, I, I let's, too, let's dig into the fun stuff for a minute uh what do you mean by the fun stuff God, I don't know. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> I do. So I, you know, David Bazan is interesting. I wanted to do an episode on him for all these reasons we've been talking about, right? His cultural commentary, essentially, on evangelical Christianity and stuff. But also, he's been really, in the spirit of being honest, he's been really honest and forward about how money plays into right. the things that he does, right? He makes his money being a musician, uh, being right. a touring musician and an artist and a producer and so forth. And so he has done very intro like when Pedro broke up, you said he lost, lost his livelihood, essentially. Yes. One of the clever, I just thought this was one of the smartest things ever. One of the things he did, and apparently it took a big, heavy personal toll on him, but yeah. uh, he decided to do this sort of living room tour model of touring. Right. And so for folks who aren't aware of Dave Bazan or of this model, essentially what he did was he utilized the internet, which is this new technology that to where he could do this. You mean MySpace? MySpace. He went on MySpace and his booking agent... I mean, probably. I mean, yeah, probably at the time. His booking agent would send out lists of cities that he wanted to play on specific dates and he would use his built-in fan base. Fans would write into the booking agent and apply to host a David Bazan show. Right. And then if they passed all the necessary qualifications, you got enough space, you got blah, 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 they would just book with the people. Yeah. The people wouldn't get paid. They were just fans who wanted him to come to their house and play songs. Yep. And then everybody would book a ticket through yeah. the through the website. 20 bucks a ticket or 20 something. 20 bucks a ticket. And it all goes straight to him and yep. to whoever's helping him do the logistics of the tour. Right. And I thought that was just so clever. I saw yep. one of these house shows. And it's... You said so you saw one? I two. did. I want to say I saw one in Nashville or okay. something. Yeah. Nashville or Bowling Green or I something. I saw one here in Louisville. Yeah. Okay. I can't remember now. I don't think you went with me. No, I don't think but, so. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who I went with. It's weird. But it was, um, it was a thing where... 
you would buy the ticket online and then they would just send you the address the day of or something so yeah. that it didn't like explode and then you would just show up and, and you would show proof of a ticket right. and, and I you think, would get to be there. I think what's super interesting about this, when people think about the music industry, they think about uh, the radio, they think about sure. you know Beyonce and Jay-Z and <laughs> sure. Lady Gaga and like sure. Bieber and all these tickets and stuff. Yeah, yeah. The music industry 20 years ago was a very different thing where yeah. like when we started playing like it was actually like people were successful they were like that. middle level right people M- small like all sorts of green day before they you know yep. the reason green green day sold 70,000 albums on their own in a van <laughs> yeah. 70,000 albums yeah. as a touring punk rock band that's unheard of and that's what you know that's why the label started calling kind of thing yeah if y'all didn't know the music industry sank yeah the music industry is the titanic <laughs> yeah and it's underwater that's now true. right in general uh-huh to where people don't make money the same way as a musician anymore yes you don't make money selling albums yes people made a lot of money off albums because y'all love your spotify's People don't anymore. Yeah. And originally, you know, before like the age of the internet, the idea was for you had people and you had artists, right? And we Mm -hmm. talked about this in our pop music episode. Mm -hmm. Artists needed to sell music to people. Mm -hmm. And then people bought tickets and then you toured the whole, you know, United States. Yep. Now, artist sells tickets to specific fan. Yes. Like you, you create your market. Yes. Your market is probably small, but it's if, if hopefully it's, it sustains you. If it's big enough, then you yep. know you don't have to rely on yes. people generally. You yes. rely on oh well, there's Bobby, Sue, yes. Roger, yes. you know all of these people who are going to come to all these house shows every time because yeah. they love what you do. Yeah. Now, in order to make a living um, as an artist, especially one that's not on what you think of as the radio, yeah you have to have your own very specific market and you have to think of creative ways to make money. Yes. Uh, one of those people, and I think we'll do an episode on him, Max Bemis. Oh, yeah. Um, of Say Anything, yep. which Say Anything is also one of those bands that, yeah. you know, d- does a similar thing that, you know, Bazan does, just bypasses yeah. religion altogether. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. He's just, his his stuff is very much just about, like, mental health and, yeah. like, but very honest. Very honest. And he has some stuff about religion. We'll get into it. Sure. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, especially now that he married mm-hmm. into a religious family, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, Wrote a record called Hebrews. I'll talk about it. Yep. Cool. But uh, so he, he does a thing called Song Shop. Yeah. And yep. he makes a lot of money doing Song Shop where he'll open up Song Shop season and people will request, they'll give him like, a, a you know, a essentially he writes personalized songs for x amount of money yeah there are different tiers of that thing yeah and i'm sh- i actually did the math one day and he makes yeah. i think he makes a good living I'm sure doing he makes that. A good yeah doesn't have to go on tour doing that for sure right um but you know so dave bazan's thinking and he's another forward-thinking person yes who has a a very loyal but small fan base uh-huh. right yep. and small small comparable to yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so he's thinking like, I can actually make a decent living and feed my family doing this. Yep. The problem is you've got to do how many days are in a year? 365 days in a year. Yep. You have to do at least half of those days, (laughs) right? On the road to make X amount of money. To make however much money. Because these house shows are only so many people can fit in a house, Mm -hmm. right? Even if you're cutting down all the overhead of the venue and the promoter and all that stuff. Right. Still, it's going to be smaller crowds. Um, and you're going to have to do that more days in a year. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what's interesting 
from an artistic point of view with this documentary. You know, it I feel like it honestly spends a little bit more time on this yeah. than religion. It does. Um, which is actually really interesting because yeah. like you see kind of like all the choices he's made out of just being as honest as he can yeah. with himself yeah. lead him here. Yeah. To where as an artist, like he's like, This is all this is all I know how to do. Yeah. Um, this is the way I think I have to make money now. And my daughter is five and I've been with her for two and a half of those years. Yeah. So literally half of it. Yeah. I was on FaceTime. Yeah. And he still struggled with that up until like 2018. Yeah. Which is when, well, we'll get into that in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So for me watching this documentary, like that's another part of Dave Dave Bazan that really bummed me out personally. Yeah. Because I got to that point. Yeah. We weren't, we weren't, doing as harsh of not as extensive as right. he is. we were but, playing a lot yeah. but like for me the reason we just stopped yeah we just stopped yeah was because of this yeah was because like everyone around you is going to continue living their lives yeah and you're you're gonna visit as much as you can you know <laughs> but you're gonna be a visitor yeah insofar as you're doing this uh and for him yeah. it's his wife and two children yes you know and that's that's heavy yeah that's it a is. that's a huge bummer. And there's a scene of him, I say scene, but you know there's there are shots of him where he's talking to the filmmaker in the car while they're driving and he's crying about this, right? Right. Uh, he's he's weeping about the fact that he's missing time yeah. with his and he thinks he has to do this to pay the bills. And I'm sure, you know, a huge part it's still a passion, you know, it's not that right. he doesn't care about it or he would just rather be a plumber or something. But yeah. it's like it's still a passion, but at the same time this makes it painful for him. Right. Uh, because being honest and on top of this the fact that he probably could have been really really successful in this little bubble market if he had just said the right stuff just say the stuff they want you to say right you know what i mean you know and he, he just even puts, talks just do praise songs like, like he, do, he doesn't mention any names but you know he he rubbed elbows with a lot of the people in the christian market early yes. on and i'm sure a lot of those people are still his friends right sure yeah probably. he even mentions at one point he's like you know a lot of my buddies are very wealthy doing well and here I am doing yeah. this, missing yeah. time with my family. Yeah. Um, part of the idea, just tagging off what you said, is that like there has to be some like passion involved, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, like he's not just a guy with ideas. Like he's not just he doesn't need to just go home and write words. Right. You know what I mean? He it, it's yeah. This isn't just one avenue to like try yes. and reform the church. Yeah. No, he loves. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. like in, I think in the documentary he's like. Whatever that thing is that when you listen to the Beatles' White Album, that just makes you feel like, yeah, you know, it gives you access to places that you don't won't have access to right. otherwise. Yeah, um, and I think for yeah. me, like that part of him is bigger for me personally. Okay. Sure, just his his yeah. drive as an artist and the yeah. way that he can like. Uh-huh. Put melodies to like. Yeah, and I'm not trying to discredit the other thing. Sure, of right? course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know. Images and melodies for me are mm-hmm. well, and and obviously for for me, maybe not obvious to the listeners, but obviously between us, to me, you know, concepts and words are yeah. where it sort of all comes down to. Which is why I think David Bazan is such an interesting person for you and I to talk about. Yeah, because the reason that I I'm not a parent and don't really plan to be, but nonetheless, so I don't understand that side of that equation. But the notion that he just wants to keep playing these shows. That makes sense to me. And it doesn't necessarily... The, the way that it makes the most sense is not the sort of Beatles, Beatles-y emotional White al- Album type angle, but is rather he is expressing these things 
right. that he wants to express, right? He's expressing his ideas to yeah. people who are receptive yeah. and things like that. And he's growing in his ideas and, yeah. and continuing to... So I think it's sort of both, yeah. both angles but you could that, do that without we could be interested in. Touring, you know? It's true, it's you true. Can, like, he wants to perform. Right, well, he's that's... a performer. Right, but I'm saying you can have yeah. performance that is also conceptually right. based you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. like i mean for both of us we've both performed enough and we both like it enough that like that brought back some of those feelings for me of like sure oh i wish i could still just on a saturday night if i didn't have any plans if i didn't just, have any plans you know yeah. what i'm saying just <laughs> yeah. go play a show uh I, I wish i didn't have to derail my whole life to be able to yeah. do that kind of thing but um, you know there, there's also something about watching this documentary that like was kind of reassuring for me oh really um which was a that's not what I want. Oh, interesting. At yeah. all. Sure, sure. Like, yeah. Um, I don't want to miss anything. Yeah, yeah, I don't, no, I get that. You know, I don't want to be driving. Well, and I feel the same way. You know? But it's those moments, it's that 30 to 45 minutes that you're actually on the stage. Yeah. They're fucking magic, right? I mean, sure, they're amazing. Absolutely. They're amazing. From what I remember. <laughs> yeah. They're amazing every time. It's been a long time. It's been a long time, but they're they're great every It's actually probably been less time for me than it has for you weirdly yeah. enough. But uh mm-hmm. but yeah, but it's amazing every time. So I I understand that sort of It is. Not addiction in a bad way, but almost like yeah. it's just so great. Uh another thing that I wanted to bring up in terms of Dave Bazan's sort of innovative mind is the fact that he also released a couple of records in a style that you and I actually talked about a long time ago. So we were in a band. Once I moved to Louisville, we rekindled a band called Villain District. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys can go, fun plug. Check it out. Check it out on YouTube. On go, YouTube. On, go on and look up Villain District. You can watch a few music videos we have. Nonetheless, um, we thought about, initially when we were planning Villain District to be this ongoing active project, um, we were thinking about releasing songs one at a time Almost in like, I remember you and I talked about it as like a sort of comic book release model where a we multimedia were, thing. Yeah, where yeah. we were very into, we were do, reading a lot of comics at the time. And we were like, that release model just seems to make sense. We'll release like a song a month with an accompanying video. And then at the end of, you know, five or six months, we'll release them as like a package, like a package EP or something like you right. would like a trade paperback in comics or something. And so we were talking about this. And weirdly enough, Dave Bazan started doing this um, of course. after after you and I had already talked about it. So it wasn't like we had heard him talking about it. But he started doing this thing where he was like, you could sign up as almost like a subscription service and you would get a song every two to four weeks or something like this. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of it, you would get it all as a package with a couple extra bonus tracks. And then it would be six months or more before he would release it to everyone. So if you were plugged in, you got the early Bazan music. Subscribe to my Patreon. Exactly. And he even called them uh, the, the records that he released were even called volume one and volume two. Yeah, uh, and so I was just like, man, this guy is just—he—he's really—he's a forward-thinking person, which right. you already said, which I completely—I think that—that that encapsulates it really, really well. <sighs> All right, well, let me take it back. Let me take it back to the other stuff just All a right, little bit. Let's, let's go. Just a little bit. So another thing that the documentary touches on, because of when it was shot, is his dealing with the fact that evangelicals are by and large getting on the Trump train. Right around the time that he is that and they're hold, filming that and hold a lot of responsibility to that. Yes, and are pushing for this person right, mm-hmm. um, pretty hard. And they, and you know, evangelicals love Donald Trump, and so it's him dealing with the fact that people in his community who are good people, former pastors right. and teachers and stuff yeah. like this. The quote was, "Yeah, the quote was something like the people who taught me to be a decent person." Yeah. 
have lost their minds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how does he deal with that sort of cognitive dissonance? And yeah. also for him as a creator, does that shake does that shake the, his own faith in his whole sort of new project of of trying to reform, you know, this sort of cultural model right. or something like that? Is it hopeless now or yeah. something? Um, I don't know. What were your thoughts on, on any of that from the documentary about him? I, it's a thing where, for me, like, even talking about politics in, in a way, yeah, it bums me out so much that uh-huh. I shut down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And this happens at work all the time where the guys are like, well, yeah. this, 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 and I'm like, we're we're all like, 2016 told me that we're all doomed. There's no hope. This is what we are. Yeah. Let's just brace brace for the apocalypse. Brace right? for impact. Yeah. Um, and sh- sure that might s- sound dramatic in the grand scheme of things, but yeah. that's honestly how I feel about it. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, I'm not a super. Uh, I don't, I don't even even I don't even know how to articulate it, but like I'm not like an extreme personality. Sure, I'm not like I feel like I'm pretty level headed. Mm-hmm. Like my sister calls me for advice a lot because sure. of the way I analyze things. Okay, so feeling that way, <laughs> you know, doesn't. Yeah, I don't even know where I'm going. I'm sure, just, I'm yeah. just I'm just just spitballing. Spit. I'm like just stream of consciousness speaking about it. Sure. Um so when that part of when that part of the documentary came up where he's just driving in the car listening to the 2016 yeah. elections like <laughs> yeah. My mind went to like oh, okay, so this f- just feels hopeless. Sure. I I feel like I feel like a lunatic yeah. with how strongly I disagree with yes. what feels like most people. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just makes you want to kind of bang your head into a wall. And it's probably got to feel like most people almost even more to him because he's still, to some extent, it seems like so plugged into that world. Right. You know? And yeah. And I that's mean, to yeah. me, it seems like there is this sort of radical outgroup that I've known a lot of people who are involved in, but I'm not, re- I don't have day to day contact with that group or that stuff anymore. Right. And so to me, it feels like, oh man, they've sort of gone fascist, but like, I don't have to, I'm not going out and singing songs to a lot of Christians who are working through their faith right. in real time, which I feel like is the function that Dave Bazan serves a lot. Sure. Right? People who have questions about the church or who are a bit too open-minded for their congregation or something like this, yeah. they might be in a Dave Bazan. And so, yeah, no, I mean, I just, I thought that was an interesting mm-hmm. and kind of wild. Because the fact of the matter is like the thing happened. Yeah. Um, It's real, yeah. you know. And you can be completely disconnected yeah. from that world yeah. and still feel it in a similar way. Oh yeah, you oh, know. Yeah. yeah, that's 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 how I. I think that, again, that's part of like the the reason I'm feeling that way. I'm like, it's all doomed. Uh-huh. Like everything feels hopeless. Sure. I don't want to think about it. Yeah. Is the same feeling that I felt growing up when Dave Bazan's like, "Hey, God might not exist." There you go. No, I don't think I want to think about that. I don't that. want to think, think about it. Yeah. Everything feels hopeless, yes. but in a completely different a different way. So like, I different guess different direction. Yeah, I guess whatever that is about me is still completely there. That's, and I don't want it to be. That's I don't fascinating. I, I would much rather be That's fascinating. Dave I'd much rather engage with it in a way that yeah. like Yeah. I feel like you're engaging with it be- much better right. than I am, but right. for me it's just uh 
Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you just don't want to think about it. Yeah. That's, I feel like I, we've I've revealed something about myself that doesn't feel like I feel uncomfortable right now. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. We did it. We this, made Joe uncomfortable. This is what we do here. This is what we do. We get we get real, we get uh uncomfortable. The last thing I'll say about uh about this whole notion, this tracks back to yeah. he was talking about being brought up in evangelical Christianity and was talking about how how much you were you needed to toe the line essentially and how many I think the way he put it was how many messages you just need to ignore. And he said, there are messages that even your body is sending you that you are just taught to ignore, Yeah. right? Ignore or suppress or something like that. He was like, the quote was, cause your body's just going to want to fuck. That's all it's going to want to do. <laughs> and he was like, he was like, and in real life, like that's one thing your body might want to do, but it's not the only thing that your body's going to be telling you. Right. But he was, he was saying, you know, being raised in that sort of subculture, it was just very much like if your body is telling you anything, if your body's telling you, if your intuition is telling you something's wrong with what's being told to me, you need to ignore that because it's right. bad or, you know, temptation or something like that. Right. And so anything that's not down the line, falling in line. And he's used this to sort of explore the the links, the potentially inherent links between evangelical Christianity in America and authoritarianism. Which, yeah. you know, because I mean, it is sort of, it's the same model. Like like I said earlier, when I was, I was wanting a sort of open discussion after a sermon, you don't get an open discussion after no. a sermon because it's sort of authoritarian conditioning. You listen to the leader who tells you how to, how to understand and how to think. Right. And your role is just to agree. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, he's, he started to, and he pointed out this author who I haven't gotten a chance to dig into called uh, Chrissy Stroop, I think, mm-hmm. who has apparently written on some of this stuff. So I'm planning gotcha. to dig onto that, dig into that. But nevertheless, I just wanted to bring that up before we brought Dave Bazan yeah. to a close. I think what what's super interesting about Dave Bazan in general, like yeah. the documentary ends with him talking about like spirituality mm-hmm. um, and how he's still kind of in tune with that whatever that might be whatever that might mean yeah um you know he's like he's like i still feel that there's some sort of harmony you know yeah in the earth and humans and how we interact and and he's like it feels like something he's like and he's like sometimes i'm I'm even like tempted to put a name to it sure but then he's like but that gets you into trouble (laughs) and that was (laughs) a great way to end so true great way to end that documentary is like you feel some sort of sense of interconnectedness yeah. and, and like what more can you do but like yeah. first like trust your gut mm-hmm. you know and, and unless you're like you know a sociopath right well i mean you guy you that wants be, to kill animals you need to be receptive to facts <laughs> yeah but yeah um, but like f- from a from a, a especially a point of yeah. coming from a religious background yeah yeah right like you have to like trust your moral compass yeah. right yeah and you have to like examine your motives. Like yeah. how can how can like your motive not be the most important thing? I've even yeah. think I've yeah. even said that on Yeah, uh, you said it on a past uh, episode. But like yeah. and yeah, you know, I've had so many conversations with my parents about this sure. and you know, yeah. my sister, pe- people that we've we've all kind of been through similar experiences and I'm like, yeah. How is that how you treat somebody not more important than yeah. believing a random yeah. quote unquote fact? Yeah, right. Holding a proposition about something, right? And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. That's you know that's what this guy does. He just like he's just completely honest. Yeah, he, he trusts whatever that is that's like compelling and forcing. Like you know, he's lived a really kind of hard life. Yeah, but then he kind of he he uh, the happy ending 
uh, and yeah. it's not an ending, you know. Sure. I th- he's I think he's the kind of person where like I think he'll be playing and touring until he's o- an old man. Yeah, I hope so. But um, you know, he decided to re- revive Pedro the the Lion as an artist. Yeah, or as a band, and that gave him the luxury of first of all, it's a band. Yeah, it's it's an exciting like thing for many fans. Yep, you know he can play th- three weeks out of the year and be off 10 weeks, yep. three weeks, 10 weeks yep. and make a similar living playing to more people yep. fewer times yep. and spend more time with his family. Definitely. And I think that's kind of where he is right now to where yeah. like he, he's still a working touring musician, but yeah. like, but he has know, a job that makes more sense. Yeah. He's his, not, he's not. Yeah. And I think he, he said, uh, he said, if you could randomly pick part of your life and put your, like, Put your yes. life out down yeah. on, on you know on on, on a, page, a timeline or something timeline yeah. and then just drop your finger on it. He's yeah. like, my life is more likely than not, mm-hmm. I'll be sitting by myself yeah. in a car on I ninety five. Yeah, pick a moment. That's probably what I'll be doing. Probably what yeah. I'll be doing. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, this is wrong. That's this feel, heavy. This feels yeah. wrong. Yeah. It doesn't feel right. Yeah. Um, and so he was able to kind of rectify at least part of that. Yeah. In twenty seventeen. Yeah, and you yeah. know. Not only is he touring less, but when he tours, he's with people. He's with people. <laughs> he's That's with important. People. That's it so important, important psychologically. Um, I, I, I could not and would not have done what I did for six, seven years, yeah. eight years yeah. by myself. No. No way. That would have driven you, driven you crazy. Yeah. Um, well, that is kind of a nice ending to talking about Dave Bazan, someone who doesn't uh, sort of tend toward nice, concise, happy endings. I yeah. got two two other things that can wrap up our happy ending that can keep us on this happy ending train if you want me to. Unless you do you have anything else heavy first? No, man. Okay, I, I got <laughs> probably, I, but I got no. I got two I'm good. <laughs> I got two fun happy things. One is personal. One is not. One is Dave Bazan is also a personal friend of Horatio Sands, the comedian. Oh, so that's fun. That is fun. Yeah. <laughs> so him and Horatio Sands are personal friends, which is kind of cool. I knew that he did his podcast, but I didn't know they were friends until yeah. today. And then the next one is uh, a personal story. Um, I was watching Dave Bazan play a solo show at, I forget, some venue in Nashville, I think. And he does, uh, it was with about 400 people. It was a big show. And I was two or three rows back, just right in front of the stage. And he did the thing where he took questions. I had read online, because I'm a Bazan freak anyway. I had read online that he went to some college and double majored in philosophy and religions, which is what I did. Yeah. And so I was was super, I thought that was the coolest thing. And then he took questions and I asked him, I asked him who his favorite philosopher was uh, because I had read that. Yeah. And then somebody in the back of the room goes, wah, wah. <laughs> everybody laughed at me. That's so wonderful. It was pretty good. And I then, remember you telling me that. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, so that's Dave Bazan, David Bazan. Check out Strange Negotiations, a documentary about him. Check out all his music. It's all on Spotify and stuff like that. Yeah. Do we want to rate David Bazan? Yeah. All right. You want to go first? I will go first. Go first. And I've actually thought about, I haven't, I've, I know the number. Okay. And just out of sheer kind of like, I don't know if it's bravery or if it's a, a, a curse that he can't help. Yeah. But his sheer honesty and kind of, I think what he does for people, uh-huh. I think is super important. Yeah. So I'm going to give him a 10. I'm okay. going all the way up to a 10. Damn. I just I just think what he what he does and kind of who he is yeah. is important, especially now. Yeah. So ten out of ten. Yeah, and I don't I don't even listen to him that much. Yeah. But like I couldn't live the life he lives. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's like super commendable. Nice. Um I'm gonna give him ten out of ten 
cursed branches. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's very good. Yeah. 10 out of 10 cursed branches. All right. So, man, I think this is going to be the first one that we've done this. I, You know I have to give him a 10 out of 10. Yeah. There's to. nothing. What else could I... What do I not like about Dave Bazzani? He's one right. of my favorite artists. I'm going to give... <laughs> he, he bums you out, but it's important. It's important that he bums you out. I'm going to give him a... T- I'm going to give him a 10 out of 10 corporate comes uh, <laughs> just just to keep it silly and spicy yeah. here on the con creatives you're podcast. wacky bro I'm wacky all right so that's that's it for david was on uh thanks for listening guys this is a common creators podcast we're a dual production of the destination nation network here in louisville kentucky and also the rock candy podcast network out of Asheville, north carolina check them out destinationcomics.com and rockcandyrecordings.com respectively uh you can check us out on common creatives um Instagram at Common Creators Podcast. You can send us an email or a DM. You can slide into our DMs and yeah. let us know if you want us to to talk about something in particular. Our email is Common Creators Podcast at gmail.com. So yeah, reach out. Let us know. Yeah, I want a new follower. Yeah, follow us. All right. Well, thanks for listening, Joe. Uh, in terms of you know being a middle aged working musician and wearing just plain hoodies and writing Beatlesque music for people who are currently on their way out of evangelical Christianity, would you say that you <laughs> you concur? I reckon I, I reckon I need to. <laughs> it's a bummer, but it's important. Yeah. Thank you for listening, DNN. To find out more, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.